You like the Just Baseball show and want to make your own? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never seen before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Happy Thanksgiving and welcome to the Just Baseball Show. I'm Peter Apple, and that is not Jack McMullen. That's not Arm Layton. It's not even Ryan Miller or Colby. It's Irwin Apple. Same last name. It's my dad. We're here to talk some baseball. And I love the big laugh, Dad. How you feeling today? You're on the Just I'm, Baseball Show. I'm feeling great. I'm so excited. I feel like I finally made it. I want to say to Jack and Arm, I love what you guys are doing, and I'm really happy to be here. And we really wanted to do this because Thanksgiving is a family day. And you and I have been talking baseball ever since I was born. And can you tell a little bit of the story of the 98 Yankees when I was kind of sitting on your shoulder? And that's kind of how my Yankee fandom started. Absolutely. Peter Apple was born in 1997 in December. And in 1998, we basically spent that whole magical season with Peter in his first year of life lying on my chest as we watched pretty much every Yankee game that summer. And what I remember was how it felt like every single day you knew we were going to win. Yeah. they the, the grit on that team, the comeback ability on that team, uh, you never felt they were out of it. And I feel like that is the identity of the great Yankee teams, that they are never out of it. You feel like it could be two outs in the bottom of the ninth inning. They will still come back. And when they have lost that, yeah, then I think they've lost essentially who they are. That's a great way to put it. And we have a lot to talk about today. So we're going to run through a couple of things. We are both Yankee fans, so this is going to be a very Yankee-centric podcast. But you are also a huge fantasy baseball guy. We also have to talk about our differences in advanced analytics for standard counting numbers, why you necessarily might not like them, and how I can explain why I might like them. We also got to go through this Yankee team. We got to talk about Aaron Boone. We got to talk about some specific players. And we're also going to break into the free agency conversation. And I want to hear some guys that you like. And I want to tell you some guys that I like. Because we were talking at dinner last night which was a fantastic dinner. First of all, thank you. You're very Thank you for dinner. (laughs) But we have, like I said, we have a lot to talk about. And I, what I really want to start at is fantasy baseball because you and I have been in a league now for what, six years with all of my friends from home. And it really started your fantasy baseball fandom way back in 1990. Yes, something like that. It was either the late 80s or the early 90s. But first of all, I want to say that, and have we only been doing it six years? I thought we'd been doing it longer, like seven or eight. I'm not sure. It might be seven or eight. All I know is my my great motivation, especially when you and your friends were all younger, is I love to beat you all and make you all cry. I just took a lot of pleasure in that. Uh, But but no. But but before we even go, like you have won. How many championships have you won now? I think I, in our I league, you've won, won three four or four of them. Yeah, that's right. And I'm supposed to be the baseball guy, Dad. Exactly. So I think the audience will agree. Listen to your father. Yes. Uh, but, but okay, my journey with fantasy baseball started actually when it was called rotisserie baseball. And there was that book that came out. I forgot the name of the guy who wrote it, but it was rotisserie baseball. And it sort of started all of this. And back in the late 80s, early 90s, I was invited 
to be part of what was probably one of the first rotisserie slash fantasy baseball leagues ever. I was it 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 it's a an amazing story. I was actually invited by the actor Bradley Whitford, who some of you probably know was in the West Wing and also the movie Get Out, et cetera. Great actor, Brad Whitford. And Brad Whitford was my friend in school in New York. I was living in New York City and I went to Juilliard as an actor in New York City. And after after that, uh, Brad invited me to be part of this fantasy league that that consisted really of all baseball writers, all sports writers. And I remember we had the draft in the conference room of the Time Life building, the Sports Illustrated conference room. And I remember conversations like, oh, I wonder how Daryl Strawberry is going to do this year. And somebody at the other end of a table would say, well, I just interviewed him yesterday and blah, blah, blah. And and it it was really amazing. As I said, Brad's brother was David Whitford, who was a sports writer. And all of these guys were amazing sports writers. I loved calling them up in the middle of their day to propose a trade and knowing that no matter how busy any of us were, we were always willing to talk trade. And what's also interesting about the fantasy baseball in this this rotisserie league was the timing of it as well in general. I grew up a huge Cub fan. I think Jack will appreciate this. You know, we're from Chicago, from Chicago, and I grew up a huge Cub fan. I was eight years old in 1969. And for any of you who know anything about 1969 and the miracle, the amazing Mets, I was an eight-year-old Cub fan crying every single day in the summer. I remember things for any old-timers out there, like Don Young dropping a fly ball in center field. And I remember Tom Seaver almost no-hitting the the Cubs. I think Jim Qualls or something got a pinch hit. And and I was I was eight years old and dying every day watching, watching the Cubs who I loved more than anything slip away day by day by day. And the Mets went on to win the World Series. And I was a huge Cub fan forever, even when we moved to California, even when I went to live in New York, everything like that. Well, the thing that made me stop being a Cub fan was this rotisserie league. It was a National League only team. And once I started to draft my own players, I found myself rooting for my own players. Yeah. And also, since it was a National League only team and I was living in New York at the same time in New York, the late 80s, 1987-ish, was when WFAN Sports Radio was founded in New York. And at the time, people were saying, sports radio, that will never work. Who is going to want to talk sports 24 hours a day? It was the same thing when ESPN first started, which I believe was like 1979. And everybody's like, are you kidding? Sports 24 hours a day? Who's going to be interested in that? And of course, WFAN, I I listened to it all the time, both kind of going to school, out of school. Mike Francesa, Chris Russo. That's right. Mad uh, Mike and the Mad Dog. Uh, you know, I, I loved listening to Mike and the Mad Dog. In fact, when I moved away from New York, I was like, how can I listen to them? You know, and 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 um, sports talk, the talk, New York City sports, I think, is like Chicago, the yeah. greatest sports city, partly because there are so many professional teams in every sport. I'm a much more fan of professional sports than I am of college sports. Me too. I've Even always Even though now I'm a college that. professor. But exactly. besides, <laughs> that, besides that, so 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 the idea that the sports talk, the constant exciting talk about sports teams in New York really made me a New York sports fan. It made me interested in the Yankees and the Knicks and, and the Yankees especially because I was in this National League only fantasy team. So little by little, I began to fall in love with the Yankees. And then when Derek Jeter came up and that whole dynasty started in the Yankees, oh, my God, Peter, they were so much fun to watch. And Yankee fans who lived during that time know that, you know, it was a it was a blessed time. I mean, it was an amazing time to be a Yankee fan. And so the combination of all those things, I hate to say it, I know people are going to think I'm a fraud or something like that, but I stopped being a Cub fan. But I will also say that in 2016, when the Cubs won the World Series. How did that feel? It was really emotional to watch that final night in Wrigley Field. I'm sure Jack will appreciate this. I I was thinking of my father who had passed away. I was thinking of all my uncles. It's 108 of, years. Right. I, I was thinking of being taken. Right. No one in Chicago 
Nobody. And, and knew, knew. No one had lived in that experience. And I was looking at all of the older people in the crowd going that they had spent their whole life suffering with the Cubs. You know, being a Yankee fan is different. You're used to winning all of that. And Cub fan, suffering, and to watch all of those people take that joy in it. And even though I wasn't a Cub fan anymore, I was so moved by the reaction of all those people. And it made me think of my family so much. And, of course, it made me think of you because <laughs> you're the next generation baseball fan. So that was really, that was really really special. I'm very happy for the city of Chicago. And to this day, I think of Chicago other than New York. Chicago is one of the great cities in the world, great places in the world. And as we transition into this new age of Yankees right. who haven't won a championship to, since 2009, We've kind of been in a rut and we've been kind of not, it's, it's hard to explain. It's not that we're staying. It, it's almost that our mentality as a Yankee fan is still staying in those late nineties teams, even though we haven't really developed since then, but baseball has developed since then. And especially, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about WRC plus about FIP and why I particularly like these stats, because we were talking last night. First, give me your opinion on all these advanced stats. Okay, the first thing I'll say is, what the hell is WRC plus and FIP? FIP sounds like, you know, um, I don't know, a snack food or something. I, I, I mean, like, the, first of all, no, <laughs> I, 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 I am not like one of these kind of old fuddy-duddies, oh, get off my lawn and like, oh, the old stats. No, my problem with these stats are, what has happened to baseball? is the stats that are being celebrated, for any of you who remember, I feel like it's a league full of Dave Kingmans. And I know many of you don't know who Dave Kingman is, but Dave Kingman was a power hitter who played for the Mets. I think he played for the Cubs, too, and other teams. And he was famous for hitting the ball a mile, striking out all the time, and popping the ball up, like, hugely and you know and making outs all the time and i feel like baseball has become a bunch of 212 hitters who hit a lot of home runs and strike out all the time and it's excruciating to watch and i i i know the stats i know that people know way more about this than i do but i refuse to believe that successful baseball successful winning teams are teams that hit 212 and pop the ball into the air all the time i mean there's there is is for example when you and i talked about the yankees last year and a player you really wanted the yankees to get before you all were doing the podcast like you really wanted us to get michael brantley so badly from the astros and and then he signed resigned with the astros and i was so with you on that the yankees need more michael brantley's they need yes. line drive hitters they need like they need players who can put the ball in play and get something going now i'm sure that all the advanced analytics prove me wrong and i know everybody's in love with exit velo and all of that but you know what to me that's all window dressing do you win games yeah. Are you proving you win games? And what's frustrating about the Yankees is they're not winning enough games. It's that simple. And believe me, you know, so but I, I don't think my only thing about that is I don't think advanced analytics, you can put that in that same conversation because the teams that are obviously using all this data, the Rays, the Astros, a lot of these teams are winning. And maybe are we slightly behind? I think they have better talent. Yeah, I think they have better talent. I think I think like you can say, and, and again, I'm not I'm not one of these guys who's saying that analytics obviously because I think what change with advanced analytics do. So, for example, like FIP, what FIP is similar to ERA because what it does is it focuses solely on the events that the pitcher has control over. That's the big thing because there's a lot of luck involved in baseball. So a lot of these advanced stats try and focus in on what they think is most important. For example, FIP, what they have most control over, strikeouts, unintentional walks, hit by pitches, and home runs. What it's doing, it's is it's entirely removing the results of the ball hit onto the field of play. Because if you think about it, a pitcher can't control, you know, where that ball goes or how the defensive player fields it. So it's kind of taking that out of the equation, but in baseball, what happens is what happens. And sometimes we have to judge based on that. But what these advanced statistics does is they take that kind of out of the equation. For example, WRC plus, what that does is it quantifies run creation. 
because more runs equal more wins and it normalizes it so that what we can do is compare players in different eras we can compare players in different ballparks for example dad a guy hitting in colorado a nolan arenado a trevor story they put up crazy numbers because it's much easier to hit in colorado is it fair to compare those counting numbers to a guy who plays in miami where the park is huge and he might not have those counting numbers. That's what these stats do, is it's almost trying to make it fair. And then on WRC+, Plus, it's super easy to look at too, because 100 is league average. Every percent above that is how many percentiles you are above average. Everything below is below average. So for example, and we can start talking about this right now, a guy like Joey Gallo, who we saw on the Yankees, just didn't perform. I mean, I even have a tweet I kind of want to pull up because people are getting very upset with me on Twitter. Yeah, extremely upset. Wow. All right, let's see. Let's see how many people are upset at these stats. Yeah. So player A versus player B. Player A played in 66 games in 2021. He hit 186, 317 on base, 317 slugging, walked 14.7% of the time, struck out almost 30%. The other player hit 160, 303 on base percentage, but he had a 404 slugging, so he did slug more. But he walked at a 16.2% rate, but he struck out at 38.6%. Player A is Clint Frazier. Player B is Joey Gallo. Is it fair to compare those small of a sample size? Probably not, but I wanted to kind of let it known that Joey Gallo was just not that good of a player on the Yankees, but... Looking forward, do you like him on the Yankees? Because if you look over a full season, he's still a good player. First of all, I just took a nap when you went through all those percentiles. And (laughs) and the reason is, is because I have something that I particularly use. It's my advanced stat. It's called your eyes. eyes. (laughs) And I actually watch um, uh, a lot of times, you know, advanced analytics don't account for things like a player who's hot, a player who hits in the clutch. You know, I don't know how Derek Jeter would have fared in advanced analytics. I really well, don't. I'll tell you. But I know that he's one of the greatest winning players ever. And I saw him every single day and saw every little thing he did to win. And so I look at Joey Gallo, and first of all, he's supposed to be some great fielder. He wasn't that great in the field. Secondly, he 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 strikes out all the time. So basically, you talk about things that a pitcher can control or a player can control. If, if you don't put the ball in play, then you can't make anything happen. Yeah. And I see the Yankees over the years when it comes to the playoffs, they don't hit. They don't hit. They don't get runners on base. You know, and by that point in the season, their bullpen is gassed. Yeah. They are because they've used it too much because they don't have the starting pitching. And so if, if I, I still, I know that the game has changed a lot. Again, I am not some, like somebody who's stuck in the past. No, I know. I know that I, because you're a fantasy baseball champion. No, no, but that's, I'm a fantasy (laughs) baseball champion. I know that I watch the game. I watch the games. And first of all, what I see is a lot of what, what I used, what the Yankees used to be great at. And this actually started, I think a lot of this whole way approach to hitting. Yeah, is working the counts, going deep into a starting pitcher's pitch count. Really, really, they, the Yankees in the '90s or even even the 2000s, you know, they were masters at that, and they kind of they kind of led the way on that. Now I don't know what anybody's doing. There's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing. There's no such thing as a two strike approach anymore. No, there's that's, that's there's I've, no I've had change. such gripes with that. There's no. There's, I know. There's and no that's why I like Rizzo because at least now. Rizzo would shorten up. I like and he Rizzo. would at least try and put the ball in play, and that's why I liked Rizzo. But I, I like Rizzo. I think Rizzo. I feel bad for Rizzo because I think COVID really hit Rizzo. And, and I'm in such a weird him. spot as like a baseball fan because I do appreciate the advanced analytics, and I think they make you smarter. But I think there's just some. There is still value in a high batting average. I will never not think that's the case because guys who have good bat to ball skills, guys who put the ball in play, I will never also understand because. 
that a strikeout is the same as a ground out. Right. In fact, can I say something to you about this? Because there are errors being made. There are defensive right. and getting a guy on base is always putting the ball in play is always better than a strikeout. Yeah. In fact, what I was going to say about this is in a way, if you want to boil down the Yankees in 2021 with the previous couple of years, there's lots of reasons why they had a very disappointing year. But you could look at one person in particular, and that is the fact that DJ LeMahieu was not himself. He grounded into and, so many double plays. But the, and the fact, and whether he had that core injury or whatever yeah. was going on with DJ, but the fact is, is that DJ LeMahieu, the way he plays, the way he hits, the clutch hitting, the putting the ball in play, the coming through in the, in the moments, the making things happen. When the Yankees didn't have that last year, they were lost. Yeah, and and and. That And I think if you're a Yankee fan who watches the games every day, or maybe it's true of other teams as well, if you don't have those players, that and I don't know how much the analytics kind of accounts for players like that, but I know that if the Yankees are, kind of, are going to keep DJ LeMahieu, they better hope that he's healthy. And, they and I think we both him know too. to be that MVP caliber candidate. Because as the Yankees, as DJ LeMahieu goes, the Yankees go. I mean, I even remember talking to you on the phone, and I've said it before on this podcast a hundred times. If DJ LeMahieu gets a hit, I have a hundred percent confidence we're going to win. If he leads off the game, getting on base. If he doesn't, I feel like we're automatically going to lose. That's just how the momentum felt throughout the season. Whether right. the stats point so to that or not, do the analytics capture that? Maybe, maybe they do. All I know is that that uh, that a lot of guys are really, really smart about this stuff. They're still not winning. So and also, and there's there's more players. It's not just Joey Gallo because I don't want to bag on him. Because no, no, my no. thing with Joey Gallo is that there is no doubt about it that he gets on base at an incredible clip, whether he hits for a high batting average or not. But the thing with getting on base is that you expect a guy like Joey Gallo, you want him to be driving in runs. If there's a runner on second base right. and and there's two outs, does a walk help? Uh, and and also, I think that the people are missing the entertainment value too. It's just boring as hell. <laughs> I mean, the, the, they. I know they keep going with things to speed up the game, et cetera. I know you like the runner on second base. Yeah, tell experience. me about because I love the runner on second base. I hate the it. Training. Why? I, I just. It's like it's putting so exciting. training wheels on a bike. It's like remedial. You know, Why? I mean, first of all, baseball is a beautiful game because it has no clock that's been poisoned over the years because of all of the stepping out of the box, the stepping out of the mound, the fact that every count goes to three and two and then ends in a strikeout. You know, that, that I mean, so that's been poisoned over the years. It feels endless. It feels excruciating. And also just our attention spans and, you know, everything from social media, et cetera. It's like we we are, we have all become like, you know, 30 yeah, seconds too long for us to pay attention anymore. You know, I mean, one of the things that gets me and I won't get into a deep philosophical in, uh, conversation about this. But what really kind of bothers me about our culture is this culture of interruptions. The fact that we get texts every two seconds in life the yeah. fact that we don't focus on something without being interrupted constantly i see like your generation it's yeah. terrible you I mean, know, my it's, phone it's, you see my phone blowing up every single second every single second everybody's does so it's 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 I, I know it's the way it is it's not like i'm complaining i'm just saying i don't think it's good for the culture and i and i think that that baseball has really suffered for that because baseball is a more you, it, it, this is what's fun about going to the park, going to the ballpark. You sit, it's relaxed, it unfolds slowly, etc. That is very, very difficult to compete with sports right now that are action all the time, that are going fast, fast, fast. But those of us who love baseball, and I know that Jack and Aram, like you, you guys love baseball with our, your hearts and souls. You love that feeling of being at the ballpark of, of oh, yeah. unfolding as they do. But baseball has been polluted by the fact that if a bunch of guys in the front office are saying we don't care about strikeouts and that the only way to measure a pitcher is based on strikeouts, you know, what happened to guys who get people out? I thought this game was about outs. And, you know, I, I and don't like this say, game is about runs and outs. It's about, I mean, the thing that it's about. That's win. why I like WRC plus that. 
WRC plus. Weighted Rudd's Grade Plus. Isn't that, like a, isn't that a, a soda I used to drink? Do they have diet WRC plus? Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, like, like it's, it's just, I mean, again, I'm not trying to be, you know, like, like crotchety here. No, you're I'm not, because a lot of people, a lot of people would agree with you. I mean, even also, Jack, for example, also, like, how about he the might end? look at the advanced stats and he's just saying, I understand them. I think they make you smarter, but I just don't put as much stock into maybe other people do. And I think that's a fair argument. You can still understand them. You can still appreciate them. But for example, some people are just always going to say this guy who hit 310 is more valuable than the guy who hit 260, but maybe that guy who hit 260 had a better WRC plus because I value the fact that he got more hits per in in, in the amount of plate appearances. That's, how about I look at how about I look at more like I want to win and I want to love watching the team win. All right, I let's talk about winning. What I do you think about Aaron Boone? What do I think about Aaron Boone? I like Aaron Boone. I think that Aaron Boone is a is an interesting guy. I think he handles the media well. I think that whole thing, was it a year ago or two years ago with the Savages, was fantastic. Love that. And that, that showed you kind of who Aaron Boone is. And and He's I, I but 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 you know, but Aaron Boone hasn't won. But then again, I as you well know, as you guys talk about all the time, how much can we bl- I don't like the fact that baseball has decided that we don't we really can underpay a manager and that we really just need a manager who's gonna do what the front office says. That's so who knows feels. what Aaron Boone has the has the power to do. I think they're in sync with each other. I like that there's stability in the Yankee organization. I I my my feeling you know, every day changes about whether Cashman should go or not. You know, I do think that maybe the Yankees need an overhauling and a new new way of thinking. But at the same time, these guys are good at their jobs. They yeah. are. They're just not getting it over the hump. The problem with the playoffs is that, I mean, we all know, you watch baseball, play, the playoffs is a crapshoot. Except you can you know have what? the best team. For I, example, the Dodgers and the Giants, the two best teams this year. The Atlanta Braves won the World Series. Except I'll tell you something. I, I'll tell you why I don't buy that. I have been watching the Yankees since the 90s. And after 2000, aside from 2009, I think it was when they won the World Series, Mm -hmm. I have watched them go out in playoff series after playoff series, wild card game after wild card game, the same symptoms every time. I am still not over Kenny Rogers and the Detroit Tigers beating the Yankees in the playoffs. I still watch. Did we watch that the, at a bowling alley? I don't remember, but I still watch. I think watch we watched that, that at a bowling team, alley. The team somehow, and this I lay on Brian at Brian Cashman's feet. The team has consistently fallen short in this area. They're consistently not built to hit in the clutch during the playoffs to get the starting pitching that they need to really, really win in playoff games and in playoff series. They go a little bit. And I'm not saying, I'm not one of these fans who thinks, oh, it's a failure if you don't win a championship and that you should win a championship every year. That's unrealistic. There's parity in baseball. There's a lot of good teams. There's a lot of really smart organizations. You know, so that's that's unrealistic. But what I do see is the same symptoms over and over and over again. And I see nothing really changing in that regard. And that's the heartbreak of it. And that's why Yankee fans are frustrated. People think that Yankee fans are spoiled or something. They they win all the time. We are slightly spoiled. They're not. They're they're not. They're 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 they know they know when they lose, they almost know before they lose that they were gonna lose because they've seen it before. And so in this particular case, I don't know exactly what the solution is, but it might take some really new adjustment of thinking because you cannot continue to go into the playoffs with guys who do nothing but strike out in the clutch and guys who stop hitting the minute you get a pitcher who is on his game. And it, you can't, you can't, you are not going to win that way. And we have seen it your entire lifetime. We've seen it. I know, you know, so it, it's it's that's that to me. And I, I'm sure there are a lot of teams in way worse shape. You know, I mean, I mean, Jack can talk about the White Sox. I mean, and the Rockies. Can talk about the Marlins. But, you know, like, I mean, their team's in way worse shape. I know that the Rockies. Right. Well, well the White Sox are in better shape start. than the Yankees. Yeah. You know, but, yeah, what, I I mean, but what I mean is, is that the Yankees, they they I think they got to adjust their thinking. 
I really do. I don't think Joey Gallo is the answer. Nothing against Joey Gallo. I'm sure he's a nice guy. There's nothing against Joey Gallo. He's not the answer. I think Anthony Rizzo is more the answer than Joey Gallo, a kind of a left-handed, line-drive hitter who's a really good defensive player. I think they need better defense. Their defense is terrible. I've said yeah. to you, I think what the Yankees need is the old baseball cliche of being strong up the middle again. Yeah, they yeah. need to improve at catcher, shortstop, yeah, yeah. second base, and center field. I know okay. you love Glaber Torres. Let's talk I would about trade it. Glaber Torres. Oh, but my thing with Glaber, and I've always been the biggest Glaber believer because I saw what he did in 2019. 38 home runs. I thought this is going to be a perennial all-star at second base. And he was never that good of a defender at second base either. And when they moved him over to shortstop, I think something in his mind switched because he became a different player. I hope you're right. But he moves from shortstop back to second base, hits over 300, and seems like a much better, more comfortable player. I still will ride with Glaber at second. I, I hear still you. will. I think he's such a talented player, and I think it's way too early to give up on him after a couple of tough seasons when he had to play shortstop. He has to play shortstop in Yankee Stadium. He still is following the Derek Jeter lore as a young right. guy. Remember, even a guy like Didi Gorius took a while to get adjusted as well. Right, it's although a hard I, position. No, I, I think you could be absolutely right about this, and I, I certainly I'm rooting for Glaber. You know, it's funny that you mentioned Didi Gregorius because for me, I know maybe a lot of people are going to think this is crazy, but when they let Didi Gregorius go, that was the start of going downhill. I felt like they lost somebody who re- now, he was injured. He had a big, big injury. I, I know it's not that, that he was. It's, yeah. it's not that he's a great player, but that he was a left-handed excellent fielder who had had one over New York could really play in New York and he added spirit to well I thought again all I know is the team has not been as good since he left I'm not saying he's the answer believe me yeah. trust no me. I know what you're I, I'm not he's a component like I was talking about LeMahieu before he's a component of it now there would put it this way now they're looking to get you know what they had it, it with Didi Gregorius, maybe they're looking for a left-handed shortstop. I understand. Uh, could be Seeger is the guy. Uh, so you know. about the shortstop conversation, I want to talk to you about that because I've had some. I just keep thinking over and over about what I think the Yankees should do at shortstop, and I I like Correa, I like Seeger, but the matter of the fact is that Carlos Craig going into twenty twenty one. I don't think he was on anyone's top five shortstops list. Corey Seager was because he was a 2020 champion World Series MVP. He was excellent too. But these are two guys who have been oft injured. They get injured a lot. Right. Are you willing to give some of these guys, even though they had a great season, even though Corey Seager didn't have a great 2021, but he's still an excellent player, $200, $300 million. And I want to post something else to you. Trevor Story had a really tough 2020. Not really tough, but just to his standards, kind of average, quite frankly. He had a 100 WRC plus stat, which means he was exactly major league average according to that stat. And he what, wasn't, he, he didn't have that great a defensive season either. What but, was his diet WRC plus? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. So, but if you remember Marcus Semyon, right? He had a tough 2020. So, or I don't know exactly, but I know that he um, basically went on the market and took a prove it deal, basically took a prove it deal and then hit 45 home runs is now going to get a big contract. Could Trevor story be that guy because maybe a one year deal to prove it because we have Anthony Volpe and Oswald Peraza in our farm system, two of our best prospects, both shortstops. Maybe the answer is not Corey Seager. It's not Carlos Correa. It's a Trevor Story rental. Give him $25 million. Let him prove again that he could be Trevor Story. And if he's electric in Yankee Stadium, you say, wow, we actually got him back. He fits with our team. Let's sign Trevor Story long-term if that works. If it doesn't, now we go to Anthony Volpe and Oswald Peraza and we're not locked in to hundreds of millions of dollars. And we can go spend that on what I think 
And I think what you think, because we talk about the offense all the time, but in actuality, the offense compared to most other teams, it's a very good offense. It's, it's sometimes a starting pitching as well. I'd rather go spend some of those dollars on a good starting pitcher because when we're forecasting this rotation right now, it's Garrett Cole, Luis Severino. We'll see how he returns. Jordan Montgomery. We'll see how Debbie Garcia develops. There's not a lot of absolutes within the Yankees rotation. I agree. But I think in terms of the offense, we're pretty, you know, Gallo's going to be playing in left. We need a center fielder. Starling Marte is available. Judge is going to be in right. Stanton's at DH. It might be Stanton, Judge, and Gallo in the outfield. And then I think we're going to have DJ LeMay who start at third base opening day. Who knows who's going to start at short, at least at this point. Then we have Glaber. Who knows who's going to start at first base. And then the Gary Sanchez conversation. Well, wait, can I respond to a couple of things you're saying? Because I, I really agree with what you're saying on a lot of things here. First of all, I don't think you're going to get Trevor Story on a rental. I think, but it's, it's, it's it might be what Trevor Story wants. I doubt it. Help his value because I think now Marcus Semyon, but I after his it. tough season, I is going to get a ton of money. I really doubt it. I think Trevor Story is going to get a big offer. Here's the thing think about this. Hold on, hold on. In this market, it's saturated with shortstops. Right. There's a ton of shortstops, so he is not going to get the value I think he deserves. All right. Well, let me just say. But next year, it's only Trey Turner. So well, if he has one I'd year, he could get a bigger contract on a prove-it deal. After one bad season, then he comes back and say, no, I'm really Trevor Story. Okay, well, again. forget about Trevor Story for a minute. In general, I agree with you that that even though this is a premier class of free agent shortstops, maybe the best free agent shortstop class ever, I'm not sure we should sign any of them because I'm not sure we should lock. I mean, Francisco Lindor is a case in point. I don't think we should necessarily be giving 10-year contracts to 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 somebody first of all who has not proven they can play in New York. That's a big deal. You know, I mean we 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 I mean look how long it's kind of taken Giancarlo Stanton to be comfortable. You know, I in some ways I agree with what I heard David Cohn say. Your biggest priority as a Yankee is to lock up Judge. Oh yeah. Because he is he is He's a top He's 10 player in baseball. Derek Jeter. He's the face of the franchise. But anyway, besides besides that, so shortstop-wise, I'm not sure if you want to get tied to one of these guys. I, I'm not sure. If they do, I know you and me will get excited. We'll be, we'll be happy. We'll be, we want, you're the New York Yankees. You got to make a splash with stars and things. It's, it's part of it. I did say that I did feel that last year at the trading deadline. How the hell, if you're the New York Yankees, do you get the loss? You let the Los Angeles Dodgers get Max Scherzer and Trey Turner in the same trade. How do you let that happen? And you couldn't get those guys. That haven't was a also, big mistake. Haven't you also noticed that the Dodgers in particular have been, they've made a lot of big moves where they're willing to move off of some of their top prospects. When is the real last time that the Yankees have been like, all right, these are our top prospects. Let's go get a star. I mean, we're hearing Matt That's Olson right. rumors, which I would love, but Brian Cashman has been somewhat afraid to trade off these guys, but yet Jason Dominguez, as soon as he's getting Mickey Mantle comparisons, trade him. Like Jason I, I, Dominguez, right. We'll see what happens, but how many times have Yankee prospects come up through the system that you and I have heard the Phil Hughes of the world? So trade Glaber. The, trade, I mean, trade even the Gary Sanchez's. Right, Gary Sanchez. I agree with you. I agree with that. And the Yankees do not do a good job really at at kind of developing these prospects. All these these sort of can't miss prospects usually end up missing. You know, Matt Olson's an interesting thing because this is something that I don't hear talked about very much. But I know that, you know, for your audience, when you and I, one of my, our favorite things we used to do was we would drive up to Oakland to see yeah. the, versus the Oakland A's. And the Oakland A's were so bad, you could get tickets cheap. And that was always a fun trip. And we'd stay in a hotel together. Love that. I loved that, our trips together. We'd go up from, from Santa Barbara to, to Oakland and watch the Yankees. The thing that I I'm always think about, maybe people are going to think I'm crazy for saying this, but I've never seen a bigger foul territory in all of baseball than in Oakland. And I think, I think like, how different is it guys to look at stats for guys who play in that huge foul territory Dad. versus guys who WRC play plus. It's a FIP or something, you know, uh, <laughs> FIP is for pitchers. No, but seriously, seriously, like that's, that's exactly what we're talking about. Right. Is that a ball that is hit a foul ball 
that Matt Olson catches in foul territory in Oakland that would have been out of play. Is it fair to kind of compare that? If that makes sense, that that's what WRC plus does. It takes in the ballpark effect. Right. Well, I don't know because every ballpark is different. Okay. But you know, here's another, here's a big one. I don't know if there's a WRC plus that takes into account whether a guy can play in New York or not. And no, you live in New not. York and you live in New York and you know, Sonny Gray. I mean, and there's I a lot of right. And I, and not just baseball. I mean, you know, I mean, right now, New York, the Knicks, we don't really know if Kemba Walker, who's a hometown kid, can play in New York. You know, I mean, like the, the I mean, we don't like New York. New York chews you up and spits you out. You got to be tough and you got to have a certain personality and a certain resilience to thrive in New York. And that's why that's why I don't know of a stat that measures that. You got to do there that isn't. trial and error. Look at Francisco Lindor. But I don't if think it's fair because you expect Francisco Lindor to bounce back. He's too good of a player, and he's still world class defensively. He had I a tough offense. I think the Mets certainly hope he'll bounce back. But you know what? I mean, the fact is, he may not be suited to play to play in in New York. He just may not. Suit or he had a bad season. Or he had a bad season, exactly. And and I, I I realize there's always an adjustment period. Guys need to guys need to adjust, etc. But but you know the Yankees they don't have time for that anymore. They've got they don't have time for that anymore. It's like you can't you you um you got to make some impact now. Fans are restless. What did you think of the Yankees parting ways with Rugnit Odor, Tyler Wade, Clint Frazier? Because it felt kind of weirdly like a changing of the guards I think in a way right. look I, I i also don't think those guys should be scapegoated they I were agree. small parts i look i'm very disappointed about clint frazier i really liked clint frazier and had very high hopes for him Me and too. i think i think it's a it was a really unfortunate path and i'm actually sad to see him go i also think tyler wade worked really hard for the team and and was really developing into an interesting utility player at times but in the end those guys aren't the answer yeah. they're not the answer so so i think the yankees did what they had had to do you know, and I think that now they've got to be now that they've reset their luxury tax, all of that. I know that the new there could be the lockout and the new collective bargaining agreement. So that oh, yeah. that's all weighing up in the air. But I, I do this may contradict what I said before about I don't know if they should sign a shortstop or not. I do think they need to spend money now. They are the Yankees. I agree. The Yankees and the Dodgers have got to use their advantages, which is they have the money. They have to use their advantages over other teams. They just have to do it. You know, See, the problem is. I don't even think it has to be a money thing. The Yankees farm system, and we talked about this on an earlier episode, they have made leaps and bounds this year. There are so many players who had incredible seasons that maybe we need to cash in on some of those seasons and really be the Yankees. So when I'm considering looking at some free agents, I want to go get one of those Oakland starting pitchers. I want Frankie Montas. I want Chris Bassett. And I think that we can come up with a package and trade some of these guys. Let's and get win what right Olson now. Olson when one of those guys in the same deal. Exactly. Maybe? Like what if we got Matt Olson, Frankie Montas, it's going to be very expensive, but throw the kitchen sink sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it. I think I... Volpe is really the only untouchable. If you have to put a Jason Dominguez in that type of deal for Matt Olson to get Frankie Montas as well, because I love Frankie Montas personally. And I think you could also, there's a couple other teams. Arm won't like this, but I hope the Yankees trade for Sandy Alcantara. He wouldn't, he doesn't want any of our players. But I want a guys like that, yeah. young, controllable starting pitchers that are just big and have. I'm totally with you, right Peter. Now. Totally with you, Peter. Young, controllable starting pitchers, young athletic players who mix with the veterans. That's why I wanted Cattell Marte. Also, I've been telling you about Cattell Marte for so long now. Right. Dynamic, speedy outfitter adds a different dimension. Well, to I will world. remind you that one of the years when I won the fantasy championship, I picked up Cattell Marte when nobody knew who he was in early in the year. Now, I'll be honest with you. It's not like I nobody knew, knew who he was. It's not like I knew who he was either. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's my that's my strategy in fantasy. Just pick up guys, pick up guys, see what they do, throw them out if they're bad. You know. I also, I want to end this with, talking about the Gary Sanchez. Sure. The Gary Sanchez. T talking about the catcher position. Because, weirdly enough, Dad, and I kind of, I don't know how I felt when I saw this, but the Yankees, in terms of war, in terms of catching war, finished 16th in baseball. So the combination of Gary Sanchez and Kyle Higashioka was average. 
And when you hear that, you say, there's just no way that that's possible. We watch Gary Sanchez. We watch Kyle Higashioka. There's no way. But the catching position in baseball right now is so thin that it's almost like, what do we even do to get a top 10 catcher? Because Gary Sanchez right. finished with around 100 WRC plus. Like he was an average, even though we're getting tired of this. So maybe a Wilson Contreras from the Chicago Cubs. But I think there's a good chance you're going to have another year of Gary Sanchez because of what you just it's said. It's unbearable. I don't know if there's anything else out there. And, there's, and the Yankees are going to say, why are we going to give up a, on a guy with this potential when who are we going to replace him with? That's the thing. So I actually think the Yankees missed the boat maybe a year or two ago. I mean, I don't know. I remember when Riamulto was a was available and some other good catchers are available. I think they missed that window. And so now they're kind of they put their faith in Gary Sanchez. I agree that the Yankees have to make a change. You know, and they and if they could find somebody that would take Gary Sanchez and give them decent value in return, that would be great. I don't know who the replacement is, but I do know that the Yankees have got to get better defensively all around. And as I keep saying, up the middle, they have that's the problem to be so with the shortstops available, for example, Corey Seeger, who has been the big name that the Yankees want to go get. Obviously, the lefty bat, it makes all the sense in the world. He's already had success a in a market fielder? like Los Angeles. It's not exactly New York. Is he a good fielder? Corey Seager. Not really. And the problem is that he's most likely going to move over to third base long term. So when I was thinking you could sign Corey Seager, because he's still a fantastic bat, that lefty bat in Yankee Stadium, World Series MVP, he's clutch. He's a great player. He's a great shortstop. But his weakness is, is defense. So could Corey Seager be your third baseman in 2023 i've heard people talk about that maybe and volpe possibly or oswald peraza be your shortstop then see the thing i like about the Rays, but then again it's still 200 million 250 million you're gonna have to give Corey seager yeah i i don't know what you do here i was gonna say the thing i like about the Rays is that defensively up the middle i think they're usually pretty good right you know i mean they have wander and then they have kiermeyer in center and they have brandon lau and they have zunino and zunino was a fantastic i mean that was that's that's it was very good and even with the Red Sox too. I think the Yankees don't put enough uh emphasis on defense. I think they think it'll take care of itself and what happens is is their pitchers aren't as ex- successful and there's something about defense that when when a team's defense is good it's 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 soul crushing to the other team. I mean dad, the like Cardinals were a perfect example. Right, it makes the other team feel like I'll never get a hit. That's what you don't never find a hole. You. I, I feel like I feel like the reason Kevin Cash is a good manager, and I know this is all analytics and everything like that, but I feel like the way that they position their defenses and the way that they play opposing teams, you feel strangled when you play them. And again, I don't feel like the Yankees on defense for a long time scare anybody. They think they're going to scare you by just hitting a lot of home runs. And when they don't, they are they lose. And that's what last year was about. They had a big winning streak. They had a bunch of peaks and valleys. Their guys get hot, and then their guys get cold. You cannot go on like that. If you want to – I mean, 90 games is respectable. You can win 90 games. That's respectable. And maybe you get lucky like the Atlanta Braves or the, Los An- or the Washington Nationals and go all the way after being a wild card. Maybe you do. But you know what? It's not – it's not something to count on. They're just, no. they've got to get sounder in in the way they play, I feel like. And I think it starts up the middle. And I'm just not sure. I just don't know enough. Like, I don't know as much as you guys about what catchers are available. I'm willing to try, take a chance on some younger guys, you know, if there's if there's some really, you know, great. It's a problem also in the Yankee system. We don't really have, we have some catching prospects, but I don't know if I see the answer currently there. So I think the answer might be on another team. Um, that's why I think Wilson Contreras over with the Cubs could be that answer um, if the Cubs are willing to send him because he's still a good player. And he's probably he's definitely a better option than Gary Sanchez. It just depends how expensive he might be to go get, how many prospects um, the Cubs will want for him. But last to end it, 2022, are you confident about the Yankees? No. Do you, How far do you think we're going to go? Uh, it depends. They have a lot of work to do. They're not close right now. 
they proved in 2021 they're not close. They're not they, close. They teased you. This is but, and that's know, Robin saying. It was teasing. I wanted that. I wanted you to say that because they're teasing. Or it's right. a tease. It's a tease. They're they're not. They're not. They have a lot of work to do. Now, the thing I have confidence about. I think they know they have a lot of work to do. Yeah. Like I, I actually think these guys work really hard. I, I, agree. I admire these people: Brian Cashman, Aaron Boone, Hank Steinbrenner. All I, I think they work hard. I just, I just think that I think that I think they're always on it. I think Brian Cashman's always trying, and I think that Brian Cashman has done an amazing job making trades at the deadline often over the years. And you know, so I know they're trying, but the reality is is that they are not a sound team right now. They are not. I, they they. Uh, they've got to make the – they cannot rely on Aaron Hicks in center field for the year. That you could see – I mean, I don't want to hear about how Aaron Hicks had injuries because we saw at the beginning of last year he was terrible before he got hurt. You cannot rely on Aaron. He sounds good. A switch-hitting center fielder with we a good on-base Seven-year deal, Dad. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's not a. It's not an expensive deal, though. He's like no, it's not. But still, years. it's just – that's the that's you, you know could, you could Ryan you Cashman could, saw something and signed him to a seven year deal. You can't go with Aaron Hicks, you can't go with Gary Sanchez, and you can't go with Glaber Torres and no shortstop. You've got to, and you cannot go with any more Jamison Tyones. You, you have, I like Jameson Tyone. I don't he's think he's the best. okay as a fourth starter. Maybe yes. You've got to go with. I'm really struck by I listen to you guys on the podcast and you always talk about that guy they traded for Tyone that the guy who's like hit every play where in the system and how you really regret well, that guy really, right so 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 at any rate, at any rate you know at any rate they've got to I mean I agree with you go out and get get another ace to put next to Garrett Cole go out and get Matt Scherzer for a year or two come Max Scherzer well, I wanted Verlander and play yeah but you know what we we didn't get Verlander we didn't get Verlander and I didn't think we were going to get Verlander. We did I'm offer not, him a contract, though. You know Yankees what? did offer him a contract. I, I think he was teasing the Yankees. I think he's always loved teasing the Yankees. I think he did. When he was on Detroit, when it was Houston, there are certain guys in the major leagues who love sticking it to the Yankees, and that's what they do their entire careers. It's like we could wish for somebody like Jose Altuve. I guarantee you Jose Altuve loves sticking it to the Yankees. I guarantee there have been pitchers all throughout, you know, but players who have ended up, players on the Red Sox, et cetera, players who love sticking it to the Yankees. They're not going to play for the Yankees. You know, so so I didn't think Justin Verlander was coming, but Max Scherzer could come. And, you know, I'd even, I don't know, maybe it's crazy. I'd see if Clayton Kershaw is available you know he's gonna I, go back to the Dodgers. i don't know i liked Corey kluber too i i i really was rooting for Corey kluber me too but me i think too. that we need to i like your idea of getting some young you know luis castillo of the reds uh, that young i don't maybe I'm, i don't know i don't know I'm, you know what i don't know these guys well enough to know who it should be yeah. i just know that i just know that we trust got, me i'll trust myself i got you even though i beat you in fantasy but yes that's another story yeah we don't have to talk about that but Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. That is my dad, Erwin Apple, and we hope you enjoyed this family episode on Thanksgiving. Hopefully, and, and and this will come out on Thanksgiving. Hopefully, you guys are enjoying your time with your family. I know I love this conversation with my dad talking Yankees. I have and one thing to say to you, though. Talk to me. Go clean your room. Yeah, go clean your room. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Thank you all. 